So we're going to jump into a brand new series today entitled Thanksgiving Feast. So if you are a regular attender here, typically we teach in sermon series. We'll do a topic, uh, we'll take a situation in life, and we'll talk about it for three or four or five weeks. This is not really a series. What we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is myself and several of our staff pastors, we're just going to fill you up. You know, because that's what Thanksgiving is about, right? Thanksgiving is, man, diet's out the window. You pack the plate, not once, but twice. And then a couple hours after you let it settle, you get a nap. You go back and you pack the plate some more. Come on, everybody, right? Who cares what the scale says? It's what you want to eat. And so here's the thing is, as you look at Scripture, the Bible tells us that our, our maturing process, our spiritual growth process it's kind of compared to several different things. Like it's, it's, it's kind of compared to it says that, this, that we're producing fruit. That the same way a tree produces fruit as it grows, that we as Christ followers, we produce fruit. Um, another way that it describes our maturing process in our spiritual journey is that we are um, replicating our lives like Christ, that we are becoming more like him. There's another way that talks about our spiritual maturity that um, we're, our eating habits change, right? That when you're a new believer, when you first come to faith, when you're kind of new to Jesus and new to the Bible and new to spiritual things, and, and that's okay because we're all in a different place in our spiritual journey, but the Bible says you're like a babe in Christ and you just, you just kind of drink the milk and, and that's cool because babies need milk, but uh, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 or 12, like there's this time that we just got to get to some meat. And so I'm just going to tell you, man, today um, and, and through this series, we're going we're gonna to go a little deeper than we normally go, and I'm going to preach a little harder than I normally preach because I just want to pack your plate. There's some things that I feel like God's spoken to me that I just want to kind of take out of me and I want to put in you, and I just believe God's going to do some great things through it. Amen. Anybody here excited? Man, it's going to be a great month. So we just come out of the month of October, and I dig October because October, right, it's the Halloween thing, and if you got Halloween hang-ups, don't make your hang-up my hang-up. I like scary movies. Anybody here like scary movies? I don't watch many of them any, anymore because really some of them are just kind of out of the box, and my wife won't watch them with me. She don't like scary movies. Sometimes I'll trick her into a scary movie. She's like, is this a scary movie? I'm like, no, babe, it's a thriller. <laughs> is this a scary movie? No, babe, it's just suspenseful. And uh, so we just come out, right, the month of October. A lot of you guys who are TV watchers, there are a lot of channels that they do special things for the month of, uh, month of October, right? AMC has, um, like, Horror Fest Month and um, uh, Turner Classic Movies. I kind of like some old movies. Anybody here still dig the classic, iconic black and white? So I watch some, some originals. Like, this is old, old, old school. Some of you won't even stand black and white. But, like, I watch The Mummy. Dracula, Franken, like the originals that as a kid growing up was just kind of cool. But I dig scary movies, and I can remember some that I watched where, I mean, literally, like you're scared stiff. The first real scary movie that I remember watching was a movie, Salem's Lot, off of uh, uh, Stephen King's book. came out in 1979. I was eight years old. And uh, if anybody's seen the movie, this, I'm like, I'm just trying, not trying to freak you out, but like it's a vampire movie and this little kid turns into a vampire and he comes to his brother's window at night floating, scratching the window, wanting his brother to let him in, which is not a movie you want to watch when you're eight and then you have to go to bed in your room. But it's all good because I had a comforter on and everybody knows monsters can't get through comforters. Monsters can't get through comforters. When you're like eight, nine, ten years old watching scary movies, you don't go to sleep, you pass out from oxygen deprivation. And then you wake up. I remember another really scary movie. And again, I'm not promoting any of this. I wasn't saved yet. If y'all are watching it, you're sinners. I was a sinner. I don't watch it anymore. But I, <clears throat> I remember I seen when I was about 12 years old, the, um, the, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. You want to talk about scared stiff. So after we seen this movie, I w got dropped off at a friend's house, had to walk home. It came out in the winter in Ohio. It snows a lot. Y'all don't know anything about it. You're like, it snowed. Nothing down here is ever like snow in Ohio. And when it snows, it's kind of creepy because everything gets muffled from like six inches of snow. And I remember walking home and I had to walk through an alley. Anybody remember like where his arms stretch out? Sinners. Y'all watch that movie. I knew you'd seen it. And I thought Freddy Krueger was going to jump out at any second. I'm telling you, I had to stop and decide how bad do I want to go home? Because if I have to go through this alley to get home, I don't know if I want to get there. You know, and so I can think about all these times where, like, just you get frozen stiff. You get, like, paralyzed with terror. 
There are these things. I don't know if you guys have seen these. You can Google this later. Check them out. Don't do it now while I'm preaching or we will shut down the Internet. But anybody ever seen the fainting goats? You can startle these goats. It's a special breed. And they just lock up and pat. It looks like they die. It's the coolest thing ever. I'm not an animal person, but I'll take a fainting goat just so I can scare it every now and then. It's just like, and they just crash. That's, it's so cool. And literally, it's this defense mechanism that they get scared, they get startled, their blood pressure literally bottoms out, and they just pass out. And like, it's this thing where we get afraid. One of the things I love to do, two things, I know one, the first one's kind of bad, watching someone trip and watching someone get scared, like, or my all too, if you don't get hurt, I'm laughing at you. If I don't see blood, I'm laughing at you. I'll help you up, but I'm laughing at you. And watching somebody get scared, I love scaring people. I hate getting scared. But you know when you get so scared, you're like, ah! Like you just lock up. There's something about being scared stiff. There's something about being paralyzed with fear. This is what I want to talk a little bit about today. When you look, um, I have to ask myself this question. I wonder how many times in my life that I've been scared out of really living the life that Jesus has for me. Like where I have an opportunity or I feel like God calls me to do something or God tells me to talk to somebody or God challenges me to give something or God encourages me or pushes me or the Holy Spirit kind of speaks my life to step out in a situation or to move a different direction. And like because of fear, like I'm paralyzed with what might happen or what might not happen. I wonder how many times I've been scared out of living the life that God's called me to. I wonder how many times you in this room, you watching online, that, that God really has great things for you, but like we're not living in them. We're not living the life that Jesus has called us to because we are paralyzed with fear, because we are scared stiff of what might or might not happen. And man, we are missing the life that God's called us to. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at the life of this guy. His name's Elijah. Anybody here know who Elijah is? Elijah, man, is a wild man in the Old Testament. And if you have your Bible, you can turn. I want you to jump there. Verses will be up on the screen here in a minute. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Here's the crazy thing is, hold on, don't pull it up yet. If you know him, right, I mean, he's, he's, he's this outrageous guy. You read the life and some things that he does for God. And we look at him and we think, man, how incredible. God does all of these big miracles through his life. He's a prophet, which means he's a mouthpiece for God. God is using him to speak into situations, to challenge uh, the culture that he lived in. And when you look at his life, you can look at it, and we, we just got to say this up front, all the miracles that he works, it's all God. It really is God in his life and through his life. And so maybe when you look at Elijah, you're thinking, like, I could never do that, be that. I could never, like, do anything really big for God. I just have to say this out of the gate, that the same God who was with Elijah is the same God who's with you. The same power of the Holy Spirit that was in the life of Elijah is on the inside of every Christ follower, that God is in you and God is with you too. You just, you just need to know that out of the gate. Everybody say, God's with me. Like, you just need to know God's with you in every, every situation, every circumstance, God's with you. In fact, 1 John says this, that like there was the word is anointing, that there was an anointing. The presence of God was on Elijah's life. The Bible says you have an anointing from the Holy One. Like you got what Elijah had. Like I have what Elijah had. But here's, here's, the, here was the, here's kind of the distinguishing thing is when you look at the life that Elijah lived, when you look at all the incredible things that he did and all the things that he accomplished and like he really experienced life at a level that most of us don't because the catalyst to his obedience was faith. The reason he could do the things he did, it's not just God because, again, God's with us the same way God was with Elijah, was that, man, he had this, this catalyst in his life that drove him, and it was faith. He just believed, and we're going we're gonna to see this today, that as Elijah's life unfolds, he kind of moves from point A to point B to point C and point D. Like, as he moves through life, the reason he can go from one place to another place is he just has this faith. And it's this faith that I want to talk about that y'all need to know and I need to be reminded of that God's just not with us where we are 
But God is with us where we're going. And if God's called you to move somewhere, if God's called you to transition, if God's called you to step into something, if God has a door open for you, I'm just telling you, it might be fearful. You might be scared to go out in that direction. You might be afraid to step out in faith. But I just want everybody to know out of the gate today that if God's with you now, God's going to be with you where he's calling you to go. There's just something about, you know, a lot of times I have lunch appointments with people and Think about this. When someone calls or, or you call the lunch appointment or you go to see a doctor, whoever it is, a lot of us, we live by appointments. Just think about it. There's this kind of express faith when we say, hey, I'm going to meet you. I'll meet you at noon today at Panera. I'll meet you at 1 o'clock today at Longhorn. Like we don't wonder, are they going to show up? It's like this implied faith. We get in our car and we drive there and we wait for our appointment to show up. I'm just telling you, listen. That same implied faith that you told somebody or someone told you, hey, I'll meet you at this time, at this place. Listen, I'm just telling you that, that God is far more faithful than any man, any friend, any buddy, any chum. If God, listen, if man ain't going to let you down and they do, listen, I'm just here to tell you that God will not let you down. If he's calling you into a new place in a new season, God's calling you into something you've never been in before. I just want you to know that if God's challenging you to step into something, that God's going to be there because he's got something for you there. Mm. So we're going to look at this story. Of, the, of this guy named Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll jump right in. Check it out. It says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab. Now, just real quick, King Ahab was an incredibly wicked king. He had taken the nation of Israel, moved them in a really ungodly direction. They were no longer worshiping um, the, uh, the only true God. They were worshiping idols. Things were chaos, wheels off, and so God sends the prophet, God sends his mouthpiece, Elijah, to speak to the king. Now, listen, you just don't talk to kings this way. You just don't go say, I mean, has anybody here ever wanted to tell somebody something, but you couldn't because you were afraid? You wanted to tell a family member something, like, hey, you need to trim the nose hair. Like, you had something you wanted to tell your boss, but you wanted to keep your job, and those two things just didn't go together. Like, you just don't go talk to the king this way. But Elijah had faith. Watch this. And so he goes to King Ahab, read it with me. He says, as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Man, I love that faith, man. Like he just gets up into the chili of the king and says, hey, listen, God says no more rain. Unless I call for it, no rain, which means if there's no rain, there's a drought. If there's a drought, you can't feed the animals. You can't feed the animals. You can't feed the people. So absolutely, God sends judgment through the word of Elijah because his people are, are out in rebellion. But then watch this. I love this. Next verse. Everybody read this with me. It's real simple. Then. Everybody shout then. Then the Lord said to Elijah. God didn't give more instructions until the previous instructions were fulfilled. I'm just here to tell you, listen, if you're new to faith or you've been in faith a long time, if you are waiting for God to give you a five-year plan, if you're waiting for God to show you all the diagrams and, and kind of lay it all out, listen, here's what life looks like for the next 20 years. You're going to go to this school, get this degree, get this job, marry this person, have this many kids. If you're waiting for God to unfold your future to you, you're going to be waiting a long time. What I have found is that God will give one step, the next step, the next step, that as you leave where you are, move to the next step. When you get there, then God will give you the next step. If you're waiting for God to unpack it all and unfold it all, you'll miss it and you'll be waiting for God to show you the plan when the next plan is just the next step. Amen. Are you all hearing what I'm telling you? God told, right? God told Abraham, the father of faith, he said, I want you to leave your father's house and go to a land that I'll show you. You know what Abraham said? Well, where's the land? He said, I'll show you when you leave your father's house. He said, well, well how can I know where I'm going unless you tell me? He said, I won't tell you until you leave. So God is in this business. Watch this. Then, everybody shout then. Yeah. Then the Lord said. Yeah. Come on, church. Listen, I'm preaching a little harder today. I need y'all to be with me today. Listen, y'all just need to be less white and less Baptist. Let's get Pentecostal. Let's get some soul in us. I need some amens and some preach it white boys, and you're on the boulevard, brother. Listen, it's time to pack the plate. Time to pack the plate. So... <clears throat> So, right, so then God speaks, he goes to Ahab, he says what God wants him to say, then God gives him this next set of instructions. So cool, keep reading, watch this. Go to the east, 
and hide by the Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Now, I don't know if you all catch this, but I need instructions like this. When someone gives me instructions of where I am and where to go, they need to be real specific. Like, you can't just say, go about, go about a mile and, and turn right down there. I need to know, like, how, when you say about a mile, are we talking about 0.9 miles or are we talking about 1.1 mile? Like, I need to know specific. And it's funny, when I get instructions, directions specifically. If I pull over somewhere and say, hey, how do I get here? If there are, like, five turns, I'm going to be honest. I've only heard the first turn. And when they're like, do you want to go about a mile? You want to turn right? You want, there's going to be a gas station there. You want to turn left? I'm like, uh-huh. Yep. Okay. And they're like, you got it? And I'm, I know I just preached about lying, but I lie because I don't have it. <laughs> so I go to the first turn, I make it right, and then I pull over again, and I ask the next person. <laughs> and God knows, I, I don't know about you guys, but God knows that about me. Y'all need to believe this. Listen. The God of Elijah is our God, and God speaks with specifics and direction. And if you've never heard God speak with specific and directions, it's not because God is not speaking. It's because either you're too afraid to move or you're not paying close enough attention. God says, listen, I, I want here, you're going somewhere. I want you to go east. Well, where do you want me to go? I'm going to go east, but where? By not just any brook. I want you to go by the Kareth Brook. And he says, okay, well, the Kareth Brook's pretty long. I want you to go specifically near where it enters the Jordan River. I mean, God just lays it down nice and clear. But there's a couple words, and this is so important. Again, watch this. God is preparing Elijah. The same way God is preparing you, God has something great for you. God is preparing us the same way he prepared Elijah. This is so cool. Watch this. He says, go to the east and hide. Everybody shout hide. He said, I want you to go hide by the brook. There's nobody by the brook. Now, what prophets do is prophets prophesy to people. What prophets do is prophets speak on behalf of God to people. Well, why would God send a prophet to an area where there's no one to prophesy to? Why would God send his voice piece to a place where there's no one to talk to? God says, I want you to go and I want you to hide. Everybody shout hide. This word hide, see, God doesn't just give a destination. God gives a purpose. He said, I'm sending you there because I want you to hide. I want you to be undercover. I want you to be concealed. I want you to be, I want you to be hidden. And here's the crazy thing is, guys, there are some of you in this room, and this is exactly how you feel. Like you feel like you're in this place where you've been overlooked, where you've been ostracized, where people don't see the value that you have. I, I know what it's like. And some of you in this room, you feel like, man, you have just been overlooked by society. That there is something you just feel like a passion in your life. You feel a burden in your life. Some of you in this room, you know God has something great for you, but for some reason, like, you've just not been able to get out. You've not had the door open for you. You've not had the opportunity unfold. And some of you, man, are just waiting for something significant to happen in your life. And I'm just telling you, listen, you are in the place you're in because God has you there. You were hidden for a season. One of the things I feel like as I've been praying, getting ready for today, is I just believe that God's about to bring some of you out of hiding. That God God's about to give you opportunities. I just believe that God's about to open doors for some of you in this room. Listen, anybody here ready for God to do something in your life? Listen, I just believe God's about to bring you out of hiding. You say, why does he have me in hiding? It's because if God moves you too quick into the next season and into the next place, you won't be prepared for it. See, we want things right now. God, give it to me now. And if God gives you what you want now, you'll ruin it. If God gives you what you've been asking for too soon, you'll mess it up and you'll miss it. So God, as he moves us from point A to point B, we have to trust him that, God, I'm, I know you're with me today. God says, I want you to go to B. Okay, I'm going to go because I believe you're going to be there. And God says, I'm going to keep you there because I'm doing something in your life. And it may not be as glamorous as you thought. Some of you thought school was going to be wonderful. I'm just telling you, you're in school and you're in a season or you're at a job and like you got out of school with a degree and you were waiting for this kind of this huge opportunity. Maybe, maybe you've been stuck in a place for 20 years. And you're like, God, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This isn't, this isn't what I thought was going to happen. I'm just telling you, listen, you just need to believe that God is with you. If you're following him, if it seems like he's led you to a dead end, God doesn't have dead ends. God has purpose. And so while he's there, he's just kind of hanging out. But here's the thing is when you read scripture, this is so big. 
Do you know some of the most significant characters, some of the most significant people in Scripture, every time when they're first introduced, they're in hiding. They're in hiding. Nobody knows who they are. Moses. I mean, listen, you can be new to church and everybody's heard of Moses. Like Moses is the guy that went to the king of Egypt and demanded that he let the people of Israel go. But here's what you don't know is before Moses showed up and stood in front of the king and God used him, he spent the first 80 years of his life in hiding, in hiding. Everybody everybody say hiding. 80 years. When he was born, the Bible says that the, the king, the pharaoh, wanted all the male children killed. Well, somehow his mother, Jochebed, was able to keep him from being killed when he was born. And then the Bible says when she could hide him no longer, when she could hide him no longer, she put him in a little, in a little boat. Some of you know the story floated him out. And he went out of hiding out of his mom's house. And then he hid right underneath the nose of God's enemy and grew up in Pharaoh's house. And he got the best education and he got the best training to be the person that God called him. But he wasn't ready yet. He tried too soon in his own strength. And then he went out and he killed a taskmaster. So you know what God did? God said, you're not ready yet. I'm going to put you in hiding. And for the next 40 years, he hid on the backside of a desert as a, as a, as a shepherd. And you know what he did with that with, as a shepherd? He had a staff, which was a thing that God used to propel him back into Egypt. It was the thing that he dropped and turned into a snake. See, the reason God had Moses in hiding is so he could practice with that staff. Because when you get in front of the king and you drop your staff, you want it to turn into something. You don't want it just to go clank. He was in hiding. Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Gideon was a powerful man. Judges chapter 6. God used him to deliver his people, the nation of Israel, as a warrior. But you know when God found him, the Bible says he was hiding in a wine press. King David, the greatest king who ever lived, the apple of God's eye, God blessed him with favor. Do you know where he was for a season in his life? He was hiding in caves. See, I've just come to tell you that some of you are in a place where you're kind of frustrated with life and you're wondering why doors and opportunities aren't opening. Some of you here feel a passion to do something great for God. Am I talking to anybody here today? And I'm just telling you that like God has you in hiding for a reason. This word, I want you to go back just real quick to the verse. Go back to this verse. Again, it says, go to the east and hide. Everybody shout hide. hide. Tells them specifically, by the Cherith Brook. If you read King James, it's, it's the brook Cherith. This word, this word right here where he has them hiding means cutting. God said, I'm going to put you in a place where I can cut some stuff out of your life. Because there's some stuff that can't go with you into this next season. Uh, before we came here, my wife and I and our family, we were in East Liverpool. I pastored a church. About 35, 40 people when we started. Our first Sunday was 42 people. Our next Sunday was 35. We were going backwards quick. And uh, for the next 12 years, we grew it in, a, in an area of about 3,500 people. Calcutta, the town we're in, 3,500 people. We grew that church to 500 people. And the whole time I was there, listen, I'm, whether you, whatever, I, I, there's an anointing on my life to grow. There's an anointing on my life to to see the kingdom grow. There's, I just believe that that's what God's called me to do. That's my passion and my heartbeat. Everybody has different passions. Mine is to see people come to Christ and to see us do great things together. And people would come in, friends of mine would come in and say, Pastor Steve, well, they wouldn't call me that because they're my friends, but man, Steve, you, man, you need to look for another opportunity. It was a tiny little church in a tiny little town in the armpit of Ohio. He would say, you just need to go. You need to look for another opportunity. Nope, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm in hiding. This is where I'm supposed to be. I never felt like God told me to move. God told me to go from where I was as a youth pastor to East Liverpool, Ohio, and that's where I went. And it didn't matter what people said. You need to leave. You need to look. You need bigger opportunities. God had me in hiding in East Liverpool, Ohio. And while I was there, God was cutting things out of my life. Because had I come to Faith Church or another church too soon, I would have blown the opportunity because I would have brought stuff with me that would have messed me up. I'm just here to tell you, listen to me, that as long as you're obeying God, no matter where you're at and what you feel like, if you're in the place that God has for you, God's going to use those seasons to cut things out of your life. Sometimes it's relationships. I'm telling you, some of the hardest things in this world to let go of are relationships. But some of, some of you are hooked to people that's keeping you in your past and out of your future. And the best thing that can happen to you is for those people. It doesn't mean you don't have to like them anymore. doesn't mean you can't be buddies on Facebook. doesn't mean sometimes you can't hang out. But some people are too close to you, and it's keeping you from moving into the purpose that God has for you. Is anybody with me today? So keep rolling in this story. 
It says this, so, right? You've got you to track now. He's hanging out. He's followed God from the king. Now he's hanging out by the brook Cherith. And it says this. He says, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. Check this out. I have commanded them, the birds, to bring you food. Now, I love this because Elijah has no ability to go get his own food because as long as he's by the brook, he's by the brook. How can you, you can't make birds bring you food, especially every day, every morning and every evening. What you need to know, what I need to be reminded of often is, is what is outside of your control is in God's control. That there are things that if God will call you to move into something, you might say, God, I, I, can't, I can't make that happen. I can't open that door. I can't make that person do anything. Everybody just needs to know this, that there are a lot of things. In fact, the majority of things in our life are outside of our control. But they may be outside of our control, but they are under God's control. And if God has a purpose for you and a plan for you, he'll shift things and he'll change things and he'll move them in your favor and in your direction to fulfill the purpose on your life. And so God says, hey, I want you to go by the brook and just kind of hang out. I want you to go there. And I want you to drink from the brook. Remember, right? There's no, there's no rain. I want you to drink. There's something to drink there. You want you to eat. Birds are going to feed you. I've commanded these birds to take care of you. Next verse, verse 5. Y'all got to read this. So Elijah did as the Lord told him. And let me ask you a question. Are you doing what the Lord's told you? Are you doing what the Lord's told you? I would say if I can get into personal conversations with people in this room, that there are things right now that you can say, God's told me to do A, and I've not done it yet. I know God's told me to do this thing, and I've not done it yet. And you, you, I'm sure you have lots of rational reasons. I'm sure you have lots of, like, I just, I'm afraid. I've not stepped out yet. I'm going to do it later. I'm going to get there soon. I don't feel like I'm ready yet. I feel like God's picked the wrong person. You might have all of these rational reasons why you haven't done it yet. But what separates an incredible life like Elijah from the mediocrity that many of us live isn't that Elijah was special. Elijah was a person just like us. It wasn't that the anointing on his life was special. We have the same anointing that he did. What made Elijah special is that he refused to be paralyzed with fear and he walked in faith. He said, God, I'm just going to do it. And so he did as the Lord told him. And he can't beside, he can't beside the Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. Keep reading. And the ravens brought him meat and bread. Y'all got it. I love this, man. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to eat this, I don't think, but I'm just between this and starving. I'm starving. <laughs> and the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank by the brook. I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, again, you got you to picture the larger region, right? There's a drought. Animals are dropping over dead there's nothing to drink. People are starving to death. And this cat is sitting on the beach drinking Mai Tais, and he's got like helicopters bringing, dropping him food. It's all good in the hood, right? I mean, he's, he's pretty excited. Everything's going his way. Everything looks really good. I mean, God told him, I'm just telling you, listen to me, it may look like a fearful destination, but if you'll go where God's telling you, it's a place of favor. And so he gets by the brook, God commands these ravens to feed him. He's eating all this stuff. This is so cool. Watch this next verse. But after a while, the brook dried up. Now, I'm just telling you, so he's laying on his chair. He's lotioned up, right? Maybe the ravens are late today, right? They, mix, they miss breakfast. He's thirsty. He gets his golden cup. He goes to the brook, and the brook is dry. There's nothing to drink. He waits for dinner time. The ravens don't show up. And we look at things like this, and some of you are in this place, right, where it just looks like, man, the opportunities have dried up. This season dried up. Like, God, what's going on? And I'm just telling you guys, listen to me, a lot of times we wait for God to speak to us through these big, huge things. We wait, we wait for these, like, clouds in heaven. We wait for God to send us these signs. What everybody in this room needs to know is that oftentimes God will use natural circumstances for supernatural purposes. Like, you don't have to wait for signs from heaven and dreams and angels to come speak to you. Listen, God speaks to everyday people and everyday means, and that means if things aren't working on your job, like, I've been waiting for the opportunity, and it's not happened yet. I've been waiting for this thing to unfold, and it's not happened yet. If you know it, listen to me, if you're hearing what God's told you to do, maybe, just maybe, he's allowed that season to pass you by because it's time to move on to the next season because it's time to move. And one of the things that I have found in my life 
is that sometimes we are so comfortable, we are so comfortable that we won't move. See, and many of you guys know this. Do you know what moves people? It's adversity. When you get in adversity, that's when people start. People don't pray the hardest when the bills are paid. People don't pray the hardest when their kids are serving God. Kids don't pray the hardest when they got a new car, new suit, new house. People pray the hardest when they got laid off. People pray the hardest when they got a bad doctor's report. People pray the hardest when they're about to get an F because they didn't study hard enough. Come on, somebody. Right? We pray and we seek God under the chaos, not under the comfort. And I'm just telling you that God allowed, listen, could God have kept the, could God have kept the brook filled? If he can control the birds, he can control the brook. If God allowed the brook to dry up, it's because God said, I don't want you to hang out by the brook anymore. I want you to move. But again, some of us are so comfortable where we are. Man, we know God has something more for us, but we can't leave where we are because it's too comfortable. It's, uh, you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said this. Jesus said that it's more difficult. Listen to this. He said it's more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. God didn't have any problem with rich people. In fact, God blesses people who are faithful to cause them to be givers into the kingdom. But what he was saying is sometimes people are so comfortable in their riches that they don't have to depend on God. Sometimes we're so comfortable in our circumstances that we don't need God. If everything's okay, we don't cry out. But sometimes I'm just here to tell you that God will keep you in a season to cut stuff out of your life. But I'm just telling you, what's going to bring you out of hiding is when that season shuts down. And here's what you need to know, that your future calling is greater than your current comfort. Listen, you may be comfortable, but if God's calling you to move, the best thing you can do is move from where you are to where God's calling you to go. When we left, when we left East Liverpool, we were loved. Everybody there liked us. I'm just saying, I was there 12 years. I could do what I want. I didn't abuse that, but I could come when I want, leave what I want, do what I want, make whatever decisions I wanted. We had a 12 years. God prospered that church and blessed that church. And then God said, I want you to move to Alabama. I said, Ala what? Do they have Ohio State fans there? Go Buckeyes. We don't know anybody in Alabama. We don't have friends in Alabama. We don't have family in Alabama. I had never been to Alabama. But I'm just telling you, listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you. God brought us into a season that we grew that church. God blessed our ministry. And we grew from 35 to almost 500. And then it's just like the brook dried up. And God said, it's time to go. Well, God, where do you want me to go? I want you to go to Alabama. And what was our ceiling, we started as our floor. We got here, the church was 500. Now we run almost 2,000 five years later. Come on, somebody. And so I could have stayed there. I'm just telling you, I could have stayed there and retired and been comfortable and just coasted for the next 30 years of ministry. But that's not my heart. It's not my passion. It's not my DNA. So I had to trust that the same God who was with me in East Liverpool would be the God who, if he called me to Alabama, would be here with me too. And I'm just telling you, listen to me. Some of you, your bed is too comfortable. That's why you sleep in and hit the snooze button and you miss opportunity. Some of you need to get a rock-hard mattress that you can't wait to get out of bed in the morning. Come on, like, it's just, like, I got to get up. I, we slept this past week, I was in Honduras. Listen, I slept on a mattress that had about 450,000 miles on it. Springs poking me, making more, and I'd roll over good night. It was horrible. I was like, I could, and I like to sleep in. I was like, I couldn't wait to get out of that bed in the morning. Some of you listen are way too comfortable. And God's going to cause some things in our life to shift, to dry up, to be uncomfortable, but the goal is to move you into something better. Everybody shout better. Does anybody believe that God's got something better for you? Come on, everybody give God a great big hand today. So keep reading in this story. Watch this. Y'all tracking with me today. It says, then the Lord said. So again, he moved from A. And once he did A, then the Lord told him to move. Then he got to B. He did everything he was supposed to be there. Then the Lord said to Elijah. Again, oftentimes God will not speak the next step to us until we've done the previous thing. Keep rolling. It says, if what God says does not, does not, I'm sorry, if what God says does not equal how you feel, watch this, you're in unbelief and you're not in faith. You've got to get that. The best thing that can happen to us is for God to speak to us. The best thing that can happen for anybody in this room is for you to hear what God has for you, for God to speak something to you out of the word, 
God speaks to us through the Bible. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us, right, through circumstances. The best thing that can happen to any of us in this room is not to hear kind of the current of this society, but to hear what God, what's God saying to me about my life, about my situation, about where I'm going. And a lot of times what we feel doesn't line up with what God says. We just sang this song right this morning. How can I be lost when God says I'm found? Like, I need to believe I'm found because God says I'm found. There may be days you feel lost, but you got to do away with how you feel, and we got to line up with what God says. You might be here today, listen, and you might feel like you're unimportant and you're a nobody. I'm just here to tell you that God says you're his beloved, and you're redeemed, and you're valuable, and you are worth the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. You're here, and you might feel like you are full of fear and doubt. I'm just here to tell you, Jesus said, my peace I give you, and my peace I leave for you. Are you hearing me, church? Listen to me. And when we feel contrary to that, something is not right, and we are walking, listen, in unbelief. And we got to get to this place where we say, God, you got to change the way I'm thinking so I can change the way I'm living. Watch this. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Romans. Listen to this. Read it with me. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. How does God change us into new people? By changing the way you think. Keep going. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Here's what I'd say to you. You have to change what's on the inside before you can change what's on the outside. Before you can ever really walk in the faith that God has for us, really live this life. Like, we got to think different and live different. Some of you would have never imagined you'd be sitting in church, and here you are. Because God got a hold of your heart, and God started drawing you in. And life started changing. You started thinking different. In order to get to that next place, that next thing, that next step that God has for us, like, we got to stop being paralyzed with fear. Like, I, I just can't move. I'm just, I'm just too scared. I'm scared stiff. And we just got to like get in faith. And the way that we get in faith is by believing what God said about you is true. That God's truth about you is greater than your truth about yourself. That God's truth about me is greater than the truth of what any person would ever say about me because his truth is the only truth and everything else that doesn't line up with what he says is a lie. And I'm loved and I'm accepted and I'm in the beloved and I have peace and I have joy and I have provision, I have strength and I have salvation and so does every single person in this room that belongs to him. You have what God says you have and you can do what God says you can do. Mm. Keep rolling. So he moved from A to B to C. Watch this. So he moves from this place, the brook dries up and now God says, go and live in the village Watch God's instructions now. Don't just go in any village. I want you to go specifically in the village of Zarephath. Well, where? It's, kind of a, it's, a, it's a village. It's not a big city. But where do you want me to live in Zarephath? Can I live anywhere? Nope. I want you to live on this side near the city of Sidon. I'm just, I'm just going to keep telling you. When you look at the pattern of the life of Elijah, God speaks to him. He does it. After he fulfills a step, God gives him the next step with specific instructions. He has to have faith, and he goes. He fulfills a step. When he fulfills a step, God gives him specific. I mean, it's the same pattern over and over and over. I, God, use me like Elijah. God, do something. Is anybody here tired of just waking up and going to take tests at school and hopefully get a degree and, like, just going, waking up and going to work and going, chasing our kids from soccer games? Like, I mean, I know that's part of life and I enjoy my family, but does anybody here want to live the life that Jesus came to give us? I'm just telling you, listen, I want that. And this is so cool. He says, watch, I want you to go to this city, Zarephath. Interesting. The word Zarephath means a place of refining. God needs to keep, keep cutting stuff out of our life. God needs to keep refining us. God needs to keep shaping us. Listen, I'm just telling you, you're not there yet. You need a better shape than you have. Me, outside and inside. Amen. <laughs> Go back to this verse. He says, near the city of Sidon, watch this. He says, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Remember he said, I commanded the birds. This is the same word. When he, when he says, I've instructed a widow, this is the same word. He said, I've commanded a widow. When you get to Zarephath, there's a widow that I've commanded to provide for you. Keep going. This, this is about to get crazy right here. So we went to Zarephath. So he's like walking down the road. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow. When he seen the widow, he seen a meal. It's like going to grandma's house where, you know, you go to grandma's house or mom's house. If you are, I'm, listen, 
if you ever come with me to Ohio and you meet my mom, you will eat a meal. And listen, you, if you say you ain't hungry, you're eating a meal anyways. No, Miss Husky, I don't want anything to eat. Oh, you listen, you just need to have some of this. Listen, you're going to eat a meal. He gets there and he sees the widow. And remember what the word was. God says, go to Zarephath. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. He gets in the first widow he sees. He's like, that's her. I'm about to eat now. And watch this. He says she's gathering sticks. And he asks her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called out to her and said, hey, by the way, make me a BLT too. Honey, will you grab me a beer and a sandwich? Don't drink no beer. Y'all, just, you know what I'm saying. Don't get all hung up. He said beer. I'm not coming back here. Give me a pop, Coke, 7-Up, whatever y'all call it in the South is pop. It's, I'm preaching today, not you. You can call it Coke later. Hey, go get me a Coke and a sandwich too. Now, you got to remember, this is a widow. This is a widow. This is so crazy. Y'all got to get this. This is so in this time, this is so politically incorrect. For a, for a, we don't know how old Elijah is. I'd imagine he's probably right middle age. For a middle-aged man to command a widow to get food for him was absolutely non-PC. It was rude. But I'm just here to tell you something. Listen to me. The, one of the worst things that's happening in our culture is because cultures, our culture and our society doesn't like Christ followers, doesn't like what we stand for, doesn't like what we believe, that we have been silenced and shut up. We have been hushed down. And I'm just telling you, listen to me, I'm not calling you to be, uh, to be rude. I'm not calling you to be critical. I'm not calling you to be judgmental to this society. We need to love people around us. We need to embrace them with grace. But I'm just telling you the only way that you can walk in the calling that God has for you and get into the next season of your life is if you're willing to do it with some boldness and some attitude and listen to me whatever it takes I'm going to say what I need to say and I'm going to do what I need to do to be where God's called me to be and so Elijah he breaks down the societal norms he, he actually destroys what society expected of him instead of him going to serve the widow he goes and he does what God says and he lets the widow serve him watch this keep going in the story verse 12 but she said I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread remember there's a there's a there's a famine in this house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug so this lady literally is about to make her last meal and the audacity of Elijah to demand that meal. Keep going. We're almost done. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Like, that's it. It's all I got. You're going to ask me to give it to you? Are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? Watch this. But Elijah said to her, y'all got to say this, don't be afraid. Let me ask you a question. Where did Elijah learn the audacity to tell this woman you don't have anything to fear? Where did he learn that from? Was, was this just like some spiritual principle that he pulled out of the air? Was this just a verse? No, no, uh-uh. This is something that he learned by the brook. Listen to me, lady, you don't have, listen, I, I, know, I, I know you probably think I'm crazy trying to eat your last meal, but let me just tell you where I've been for the last six months. I've been hanging out on the beach on a chair. When everybody else was thirsty, I had a fresh a brook provided for by God. I didn't have to go get meals. They were airlifted into me every morning and every night. And I'm just telling you that like the same God who took care of me, he's able to take care of you too. So the reason he could tell her not to be afraid is because God cut fear out of his life in the last season. I'm just telling you what God is trying to do in you isn't just for you. This is the thing I've been telling this church for five years. Listen to me, this isn't about you. Sunday morning isn't about you. What God is trying to do isn't just about you. God wants to change us, use us, fill us, and send us out to impact the world, culture, and society we live in. So God took Elijah from A to B to C, not for him, but for the widow. He didn't go to get a meal. Watch this. He went to provide a miracle. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make me a little bread for me. Everybody shout that word first. 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 Remember what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
The biggest obstacle to us moving the things that God has for us is us. It's not God. It's not people. It's, it's us. Because we often refuse to do what God's called us to do, and we got to put him first. The reason we're here on Sunday morning, this is the first day of the week. That's why we get together and we worship. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. We give God our first. The first day of the week, babe, we could be lots of places. We need to be in the house of God worshiping him, getting our word and worship on, right? Tithe. Listen to me. I'm just telling you, I believe in tithing. Do you know why? Because tithing is the first 10% goes to God. I want to give God my first, and when I give God my first, God takes care of everything else. And so he says, listen, I want you to go back to hear our story. He said, but, but, but make me a little bread first. Don't you eat and give me the leftovers. See, like that's how we like to do God. God, I'm going to use my time, my money, my resources, and God, I'll give you what's left. Uh-uh. First, everybody shout first. Give me my bread first, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Next verse. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. We're almost done. There are always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So if, you, if, you'll, if you'll take care of me first, and I know it seems crazy, I know it seems outrageous, but listen to me, I'm just telling you, God has had me by a brook taking care of me, and if God can do it for me, God can do it for you. So listen, just listen. So she wasn't listening to the word of Elijah. She was really listening to the word of the Lord. If you'll, if, you'll, if you'll put God first, God says, listen, God's going to take care of everything else, which means that the promise of verse 14 was contingent on her obedience in verse 13. God wasn't going to provide for her supernaturally until she did what she was supposed to do by feeding the prophet first, by doing what God said first. And see, guys, here's what I know is that everybody in this room, again, I ask the question, are you doing what God's called you to do? Because until we can step, and, and I know it's fearful, man. When God sometimes tells me, I want you to, here's what I want you to preach. I'm like, what else you got? Like, give me like an ABC. Like, give me like a, give me some options and I'll let you know what's going to work for me. I want you to go talk to this person. I want you to give this amount. I want you to get involved with this person. I want you to, sa- I'm like, I can have all these reasons why I don't want to do it. And God's like, man, I got something really great for you. If you can just get out of fear. And step into this next place. But again, we're often the biggest roadblock to the next level that God has for us. Last verse, watch this, verse 15. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Man, what a powerful story. And again, you look at this, you look at this guy like Elijah, you're like, Again, I read this and I just think, man, God, I just want to do something. Like, I want my life to matter. I want to make an impact. I, I, like, Jesus, you said you came to give me life. And, and God, I know that's more than breathing. And I know that's, like, people who don't know God and don't love God, like, they have a family. They wake up in the morning. They go, they have a job. So it's got to be more than that, right? Because Jesus said, man, the people who belong to me, like, I got, like, a next level life for them. And I want that. And God says, hey, I want it too. So the, the difference maker, the gap, is just obedience. In order for us to get an obedience, man, we've got to believe what God is saying about us. We've got to be in these seasons where he's cutting stuff out of our life. But moving from A to B to C, moving from where we are to where God wants us to go, we just got to believe that he's there. We've got to get out of fear and get into faith. And so he, le- he fi- ends up, and you can read this story this week, because here's the crazy thing is one of the coolest miracles in the Bible happens right after this. Elijah goes on a mountaintop, and it's, it's him. It's the only, the only true prophet of God versus 450 prophets of Baal. Like, you read the story because it's, it's some mad, crazy junk. Like, 450 prophets, like these false prophets, they're cutting themselves, and they're screaming. They're waiting for their God to answer. And Elijah gets up, and he's like, hey, man, I think, I think your God's on vacation because he's not answering. Hey, maybe he's taking a nap. Hey, maybe you just need to scream. Like, I love Elijah. He's making fun of him, right? And then Elijah gets up. He has this sacrifice. And here was the deal. The first God who answers by fire, that's God. I love it, man. Like, this is, a, this is the mic drop moment in Scripture. After all day, the prophets of Baal, man, are screaming nothing. Elijah gets up. You can read. I'll leave some details out. But he gets up, and he prays his prayer the God of heaven would answer. And the Bible says that fire falls from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. And then he says this, like there's not an altar call. Like he's like, 
If Baal's God, then serve him. But if, God's, if God is God, then serve him. Mic drop and he walks off. And you're like, I wish I could do that. Like it's this moment like, oh my. But listen, do you know how Elijah got to Mount Carmel? Because he was just hanging out with a widow. Why would he go hang out with the widow? Because he learned he could trust God by a brook. Like it's these moments. So some of you are like, I want the mountaintop. You ain't there yet. You get the mountain too soon, you'll blow it. You'll call fire from heaven and you'll get a puff of smoke. So we got to wait in these seasons that God works on us and refines us, cuts things out of our life. But we got to be willing to move when he calls us to move. So I just want to pray for you today. Because here's the coolest thing you can learn about this story. Is that even though seasons are changing in Elijah's life, circumstances are changing, there's something that never changes, and that's God. I just want everybody to know that God never changes. His love and his faithfulness and his grace is always the same. In every season, every circumstance, every place it feels like it's a dead end or it's an open door, God's the same. So I'm going to pray for you. Does anybody here, man, want to really step into something big for the kingdom? Anybody here say, man, I just believe that God, some, God has something great for me. I want you to lift a hand real high, man. I want big things from God. I want to do big things for God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want you all to jump to your feet, man. We're just going to pray this way today. Lord, I pray, God, over this house. Lord, I pray for me. I pray for every young adult, every high school student, every college student. I pray for every person, every senior in this room, every, every, every husband, wife, man, woman, child. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that, God, we would live the life that you came to give us and that we would no longer be paralyzed by, tear, by terror. God, I pray we would no longer be scared, stiff. I pray that we would believe what you said to us. I pray, Father, that we'd be willing to walk into the things that you have for us. And so, Lord, set us free from fear. And I pray, God, let us embrace the purpose and the destiny on our lives. God, you're not just with us where we are. God, you're with us where we're going. And so, Father, I pray, fill us with faith from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. In Jesus' name. And everybody here who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God today all over this house?